guys, welcome to the Sound Centric Podcast. I'm Samuel Sarfo. I'm Adam Dash. And thank you guys for tuning in for another episode. Today we're with Asar, who's made so much noise this year, especially with this project that dropped in late July. I now know it's one of the best hip-hop projects that I've listened to so far this year, and it's such an honor to have him here. Of course, we'll be talking about the album, uh, the process of making it, and of course, all the tips and advice for all independent creatives. So make sure you smash that like button, uh, subscribe, and catch up with Asar. His album is incredible if you haven't heard it already. But Asar, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to Sound Centric. Yeah, appreciate you for having me. This is dope. It's been a long time mm-hmm. coming. Oh, yeah. Let's go. So as you know, we like to recap how we're feeling during the week. So we do a playlist title of the week, shout out an artist, talk about how we're feeling. So Sam, we'll start with you. What's the title? I know it may be corny, but it's going to be I Now Know. I mean, seriously, when yeah. I say it's one of the best hip-hop projects that I've heard this year, it really is. The amount of effort that's put into it. Um, I feel like nowadays, albums are becoming playlists. We don't get to hear albums actually becoming a work of art. And that's what this album was. The single is also going to be X-rated by Leon Thomas featuring Benny the Butcher. If you don't know Leon Thomas, a.k.a. he was the guy from Victorious. I forget his name <laughs> on the show. Um, but he's such Andre? an incredible... Yeah. Andre, yes. There he's such an incredible um, artist. And uh, he's the type of person who's kind of in the background who does a lot of different production, um, vocals, and just writing for a lot of different artists. But this time, he finally put an album forward. And in 2023, I do believe a lot of the independent acts, a lot of the underground low-key acts really ruled music in the soundscape. So shout out to Asar, of course, and shout out to Leon. But what about you, man? Yeah. Um, he also has that song on Victorious. I forget what it's called, but he made a really good song for Victorious. <laughs> he had Victorious. a lot of slappers, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my playlist title of the week is going to be someone that Chris Patrick shouted out, and now I'm obsessed with this man. Suave, mm. this guy, if Schoolboy Q, Kendrick, like the, the mixture of sounds I get from him and the music videos are crazy. So his song Faces highlights my week. Um, just go listen to it. I think anyone who hears that song is going to be like, yeah, I'll dive into this guy. But Sar, how are we feeling? What's the song? What's the title? Uh, title of the playlist for me would probably be The Recipe. And mostly because for some odd reason, I have been listening to both Sir and uh, the Kendrick Lamar version of both of those songs all week <laughs> for no reason. It's so good. Yeah, both of them. Um, what's my song of the week? I think I've been really obsessed with that Leon Thomas album, so I'm going to pick a song from there too. And I think the most consistent favorite for me out of, off of that is Crash and Burn. So, mm. Burn for sure. I'm going to have to tune into that. Damn. Yeah, that album's yeah, getting a lot of praise from here. <laughs> but to start things off the same way that you start your album off, I want to start out with a list. Okay. So I know that your brother was a big part of you rapping. You two, you and Nick were rapping over instrumentals together. So, I mean, man, we love freestyling and we got to know from you. If you can think about this for a second, what are the top instrumentals to freestyle over? Ooh. Maybe this can be from your young days. This can be right now. As you're thinking, I will give you some, <laughs> some of my Songs that came to mind. Okay. I got High for Hours by Cole. Okay. I think that beat is like the most freestyleable beat. I think Pound Cake's always a classic. There. There. Mm-hmm. Uh Jay-Z Dead Presidents, another classic. Wet Dreams, another J. Cole one. There. And Devil in the Devil in the New Dress, Kanye. Legendary beat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I it would be hard for me to narrow down specific beats. I think for us, there was always a specific sound we were looking for, and there were specific producers that just really spoke to us. Okay. So for me, like, you turned on anything from Ninth Wonder. That's like, we were sifting through any Ninth Wonder beats we could find when we were free. Go. Um, 
we were sifting through a whole lot of Just Blaze beats when we were trying to freestyle. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, yay. Everybody's looking for a yay type beat to freestyle yeah. off of. <laughs> um, but anything soulful, anything with incredible drums, uh, anything that that had that boom bap sound to it. Shoot, Dilla too. Mm -hmm. We were definitely looking up Dilla beats. Um, that that was where we found home when we first started freestyling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sam, you sent me something about Ninth, Ninth Wonder this week that he was it that he's knew about Kendrick in like 2010 or something. Yeah, there was uh, basically a video clip that came out talking about how he was hunting him down back before in Compton, before he was even blowing up. And again, just being able to connect with different artists and producers, collabing them together, making different sounds. Even on this album, it's every beat sounds tailored for you and all the artists that you brought in, and everything sounds cohesive. In terms of my favorite produced a song of all time it's easily lucifer that's one song i need to mention yeah. only lucifer jay-z kanye west um that song will let me go crazy but yeah. yeah there's certain beats that i think are top beats of all time but like are just difficult to rap over yeah so there's definitely a lot of i was like thinking alchemist beats and mad lib beats but i'm like they're kind of difficult sometimes <laughs> you got no drums to really just freestyle over mm -hmm. that's fair but another list this list must be might be hard for you because you're ride or die for chicago mm -hmm. so without naming a Kanye West album. Okay. What are your top Chicago albums? Oh, without naming a, a Kanye album? I can do that. Um, I mean, <laughs> my favorite rapper all time, well, there are two. It's 1A, 1B. But my Chicago favorite is Common. Um, yeah. So I'm either going to go find, I'm either going to go B or like Water for Chocolate. Um, I biasly want to say 10 day, but I'm going to go with acid rap because it's the more culturally relevant project outside of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, I am going to say, Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to exclude Twister only because Kanye played such a, oh, but I can't, I would have to do that to common too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah, Kanye's all over B. Yeah. There's a Twister, Twister album there, too. I don't know which one. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Bucket List by Saba. There we go. Um, Telephone No Name. Because these are, the, these are the projects that were more formative to me coming up in music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Waters, Mick Jenkins, classic. That's not an album, it's a mixtape, but classic. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, it counts. I mean, Acid Rap's a mixtape, and Ten Day. This is true. Um, <laughs> how many am I at? Did I hit my five? I think you might. Yeah, I think you hit five. All right, cool. I have a take for you. Tell me how you feel about this. You're talking to a, a Chance the Rapper stand. I got my social experiment sweatshirt on. Indeed. I think as I've grown, because hmm. Acid Rap is my favorite album, hmm. I think Coloring Book might be better at this point. I have to go back and listen, but just off cultural relevance alone, I don't know if I can huge. Yeah, like what what acid rap did to music and the landscape of music at the time mm -hmm. was insane. Chance could do no wrong. And of course that carried into the momentum of color and book, but like Yeah. Chance was such a polarizing phenom after acid rap dropped that it was just like that that's when the murmur started of like is he is he the next guy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, bro, he was on 
He was on that Mount Rushmore. He was about to be there. Yeah. With that three hat. He's selling like $3 million worth of hats to have a number three on it. <laughs> he was unanimous. And, and and that's why I think when you when you take into consideration everything surrounding that album, and shoot, even his rapping, because I think he raps better on Ass Rap than he does Coloring Book. They're just, I would say they're probably, and I don't know if I can stick behind this, but there might be better songs on Coloring Book than there are on Acid Rap. I think I think that's what I'm kind of getting at more. Like sometimes like a song like Same Drugs or mm-hmm. Summer Friends versus I, mean, I love Acid Rap. Like a song mm-hmm. like Nana, like I love it. Yeah. But objectively looking back on it, yeah. he's going <laughs> a lot <laughs> throughout the album. That ad lib was being spam pressed. <laughs> but it's what the people to want. Go, <laughs> it's what they wanted. Um, to go along with this Chancellor Bennett theme mm-hmm. on the next song on the album. You have an amazing storytelling song, which artists, please do more of, Poster Child. Mm-hmm. And you talk about his brother, Taylor Bennett. So I quickly wanted to share a story because I also had my music journey intersect with Taylor Bennett. Word. I used to write for my, I wrote for my school newspaper and I was going to see his concert when I was a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. At this point, no one in my life knew I ever wrote music or wanted to make music. And I reached out to interview him and his management said, yes. So I'm on a tour bus. It's like the coolest moment of my life. And I was thinking, I'm like, so many people probably have rap for this guy. I'm going to try to be original with it. Mm-hmm. So I printed out lyrics and did a genius annotation for every single bar <laughs> on like the right side. And so now Taylor Bennett was the first person to ever know I made music. And that <laughs> night I went home, told my parents, I'm like, yeah, I want to rap. Like, I want to buy a microphone and do this. Word. So shout, shout out to Taylor in Chicago. Um, but yeah, what were those freestyles like back in the day in the lunchroom? Yeah, I mean, I never joined them. Um, it's it's funny because me and Taylor are cool now. Like, we we really rock with each other. Um, that's my guy. But when we were kids, when we first met each other, we were not friends. <laughs> so, like, originally when they were rapping in the lunchroom, I always had an admiration for it because I was just like, wow, that's something I really want to do. But also that wasn't my craft. So, like, I would just sit off on the side and and listen and it was very inspiring just because I had never seen anybody in my age bracket outside of like my brothers rapping you know what I'm saying and so it was cool to see that and then to then hear about Chance who I knew nothing about and check out his music and genuinely be a fan even before like things started moving and to see his progression that was crazy that was the first time I had ever seen anybody do it like you, you made it happen. Like you really mm-hmm. grassroots turned this dream that you had into an actual tangible reality. Uh, and that was, the, I think that for me is what pushed me over the edge to actually pursue music because I saw, oh, it is possible. Like this can be done. So yeah, man, that's that's really amazing just to hear. Again, there's so many people who make it from the Chicago scene, but having that person close within your area and seeing it firsthand. And I was going to ask you this. I want to know more about the Chicago scene. I can just imagine all the high school kids getting in ciphers, um, people coming together to collaborate and stuff like that. But when you first started making music, was it more so like an independent thing? It was just you, maybe you and another friend or partner, or was it more of a collective thing um, coming together to make something? No, it was just me. Uh, the The... Chicago scene when I was in high school going into college was crazy because you had Mick, you had Sabi, you had No Name. And they and mm-hmm. and a lot of them were still here. Of course, all of them have kind of moved from Chicago mm-hmm. at this point. But 
they were all still here and around. Smino was starting to bubble up at the mm-hmm. time too. So it it was just crazy. You could go to a show locally and some of anybody could pop out because of course they had homies. So they doing a show. Some anybody could be a special guest and you you mm-hmm. seeing them randomly. Um I think there were a lot of opportunities here too because everybody in Chicago who was a, a artist or a rapper during that time period was funneled through a program called YCA, which is Young Chicago Authors. That and the open mic mm-hmm. uh hosted by it was uh founded by Mike Eagle who passed away um a, a bit ago. But those two platforms are what allowed for artists to really be expressive and gave them opportunities to perform. Um and so there was just like this system and this pipeline of, of artists really be, being groomed for that next level. And it was just a crazy thing to watch. Mm-hmm. I think that because we're so connected now with social media that certain there's a less regionality in music where you're not like, oh, that, that's a California artist. You can tell by the G-Funk he's rapping over something like that. But Chicago always has this sound that I think is very gospel inspired. I mean, you got the St. Sabina's Church on poster child which sounded beautiful and shot the dende for also being on there but how important because i know you're a religious guy how important was that to you, your craft and the f- feeling that i gotta get this church choir because i love when the church choirs in the song uh i mean my my faith is foundational it's the reason i even do what i do um mm-hmm. you know i we took some time a couple of years ago to figure out what exactly my mission statement was and at the crux of it is me just being able to change lives by showing people who I am as a human, right? Show people that mm-hmm. you're not alone in what you're going through. Everybody goes through things. But resiliency, leaning on faith in God to, to bring you through, it's how you make it through it. Um, so that's one. As it pertains to having the choir actually be a part of the project, that was really, really cool. And it's always been something I've wanted to do. Because I was born and mm-hmm. raised in the church, and my formative years of music were based in gospel music, so it's like I was fire. Um, <laughs> I sh- I want to shout out Ko, uh, who was another phenomenal rapper from Chicago. Ko Southside, yeah, shout to him. Yeah, I yeah. dropped an album this year called "It Was Fun While It Lasted," also incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that album, he had the Saint Sabina uh, Youth Choir on that. And me and Ro had been talking back and forth about trying to get a choir on one of the songs. And Kale was the one who threw the lob and was just like, yo, this is another artist y'all should watch. Blah, blah, blah. He doesn't like the message he brings is something I think y'all can get behind, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it was history from there. That's sick. Also, I'm not sure if this is perfectly correct. You don't curse in your music, right? Yeah, I don't curse at all. So, how? <laughs> like, I don't. Mean- I, I mean that in a way that it's so impressive that so many artists flow-wise mm-hmm. sometimes rely on a curse word and sometimes it's just a filler word syllable-wise to keep the flow going. You really don't going. have to. I remember I was watching this like short doc and it was basically mm-hmm. how like a lot of rappers, even when they use curse words, it's like a, a crutch to use to fit a syllable count. And honestly, yeah. it gets lazy to a point where you're just using curse words to fit phrases into a bar where you don't have to at all and you can push yourself to be more creative and use more words but go ahead sorry let's go ahead and answer that yeah no i agree i think on one end because i don't use profanity in general it's like it's kind of second nature to me because it was never an option um okay but in addition um i think that i don't know i i've always kind of prided myself on 
being able to use my vocabulary in unique ways when writing. Uh, so I think it's really cool. And it's also really cool because I don't, I, I don't curse any of my own music, but also when I'm collaborating with others, I ask that they follow the same rule. Uh, even if I'm hopping on a song. Um, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's been really dope. And I appreciate everybody who has actually been able to adhere to that with me and respect my artistry enough to like understand the values and the principles behind it. Um, but it's also cool when I'm working with people and they're like, oh, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Like, I, I could do this more often. So, yeah. It's not. It's a crutch. It really is a crutch. Yeah. 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 You're waking, you're waking the people up. I'm making them some new flows. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Get that lexicon. Get that lexicon up. <laughs> yeah, we got we got big build a bigger vault of you and I said this before we logged on, but you and Chris are just smart ass rappers. I just cursed. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you guys are some very smart rappers. And you say different lines that I'm like, that was a biology term I learned in sophomore year of high school. <laughs> I was gonna, nah, Chris, I, I was gonna shout out I was gonna shout out this line later because it's a but not it just comes up now. You said I haven't been inside a box since my jeans weren't a punnet. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to clap. I just wanted to appreciate that because whenever I'm rhyming and there's a sonnet done, something like that, I always use a punnet square line. But I'm like, no one's gonna actually get what that means. And I saw, I saw you did it. I'm like, yes, <laughs> biology. It's a bar. I was very proud of that. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, and my brother is a doctor. I told him, I'm like, you got to tune into this one. There's some, you got some medical lines coming through. That's hilarious. And then also before the um, album came out, I'm not sure if it was before, I believe it was before, but obviously I have to talk about this as I feel like it was part of a huge part of the album too with the voice, you know, but Rhythm and Flow mm-hmm. um, on Netflix, your edition. Talk about that, how that went and the whole process there. Yeah. Uh, Rhythm and Flow was, <laughs> Rhythm and Flow was, <laughs> um, I think. I was watching it last night. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that in a long time. I think it's been years. Um but it was a it was a cool experience. Um, I think that for the time period in which I auditioned, there was so much going on that like it felt like this really peak moment for me, where mm-hmm. everything's finally coming to a head. This is it. It's time. Um, and it has such an anticlimactic finish because I got there. I was the first person to audition for Chicago in general, and I didn't wow. move to the next round. Um, mm-hmm. And I think initially I was super hurt and disappointed um, just because I, I had, you know, when your mind is set on something, you already thinking too. Yeah. Dead. And it's like, 100%. stop there. It was like, wow. Uh, but I really think God was just kind of preparing me. Uh, and it was a great opportunity. It was a great experience. And the way that people reacted, you would have thought I would have won. Um, yeah. Even from that minute clip, there was so much support that came through. There were so many new people who ended up investing in my journey just from that alone. Um, so it was really cool. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's advertising for you. It's the same thing. Like some people go on Shark Tank with not even the goal of getting their thing signed. Like it's mm-hmm. just more advertisement for their product. And I'll say I relate from a job perspective because I'm still looking for my first job post college, <laughs> and that feeling of getting to an interview and I'm already envisioning what it's going to be like working for the company. And I'm like, Oh, I guess I'm going to be living in Philly. Like that's my life. Mm-hmm. And then when I didn't get the job, it's like, I, maybe I set myself up for that disappointment, even though it all brings good things. Mm-hmm. I'm curious from a, from a fan perspective, you're rapping for chance the rapper and Lupe fiasco. Mm-hmm. Like, did you get to talk to them at all? Yeah. Uh, express. 
I was them. Like, how was that? It was cool. I got to talk to both of them one on one after everything was said and done. Um, and it's funny because I actually just saw Lupe recently um, and, and got a chance to talk to him again um, at the Joyce Rice show that I opened up for. He actually came and attended. He's there. Yeah. Um, and she's Chicago? No, she's not from Chicago. I think she's from LA. Okay. Um, but she was just out here on her tour. And I saw him pop in, went to go say what's up, was talking to him. I was just like, you remember who I am? And then he was like, refresh my memory. I was like, arpeggio. He was like, oh, what's going on? That's hilarious. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the second time I've done that to him. We we had another interaction on Clubhouse where yeah. that, that jogged his memory. But that's become the running joke every time I see him now. It's just arpeggio. That's, that's um, so funny. He he put a verse out over that Andre 3000 flute. And I'm mm-hmm. like, sheesh, this guy. He's just a skilled rapper. Yeah. He's too good for his own good. <laughs> it must be incredible to have all these different like you said, these people from Chicago who not only do you get to at least meet with, but just be inspired by. And Lupe is one of my favorite artists of all time. Um, if you didn't know, he's teaching a class. I don't know if he's still teaching it now, but he, t- he taught Harvard. a class at MIT. Can um, I stop really quickly? I am so sorry. Go ahead. The fact that I did not mention the cool and my top five Chicago albums of all time yeah. is the <laughs> thing. The cool. Yeah. We can continue. We'll, we'll edit it up. We'll throw it in. They won't even notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cool for sure. But yeah, just growing up with so many different um, just legends. I mean, I just couldn't imagine. I don't know. Because some people are born in, you know, different states or areas, whatever. Where there is no culture in a sense. But Chicago, there is a culture. So when you're making music, do you feel forced to stay within that sound in terms of that region or just be yourself and come up with whatever, you know, comes from your soul? No. I just want to make whatever feels good to me. I think when I'm mm-hmm. younger, I... I was very pressed about what I think people wanted to hear from me. And then what you grow to realize as you continue to make music is nobody knows what they like. You kind of tell people what they like by what you make. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of where I've been at. Um, I think for even this album, we intentionally were trying to do things that you felt people weren't looking for from us. Like we got good rap here, that's great. But the, these are these are songs. These are full cohesive songs with great hooks, with uh, incredible production and wide ranging production. Wide ranges in terms of subject matter, um, stuff y'all haven't heard me talk about from perspectives y'all probably haven't heard. It, it was all super mm-hmm. intentional. So yeah, there's definitely the classic Chicago sounding songs that are amazing, but then there's songs like Win. Mm-hmm. That are like, whoa, he took a step in a different direction or um, not spoiled, pleasure mm-hmm. has that more upbeat, like just really cool that you're diversifying that sound. Mm-hmm. Now, from a training perspective, I know you're a ball player. Mm-hmm. You're sadly a Chicago Bulls fan. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but I love I love asking <laughs> I love asking artists this these this question. Mm-hmm. But do you ever implement that into your own training? Because Cole said he did the one minute drills. We were talking about Chris because he was a D1 athlete, mm-hmm. like how he goes about training. Mm-hmm. And also your tweet about you tweeted yesterday the um why'd you go with that flow like the fun <laughs> thing the bulls you guys are Ugh. yeah it's insane but no to, to answer your question yeah rap and sports are super synonymous um I, but what's most synonymous is the discipline um I think right now I'm in a space where I'm trying to get back to form because I think I was so tapped out by the time my album was done, I didn't have anything to write. And 
I was a person like I was writing every day, sometimes two, three verses a day. Um, it, it just depended on what I had on my heart. Now I'm trying to get back to one verse a day. And it's been difficult because yeah. partially I'm not I'm not inspired by as much right now, which is fine. It comes in ebbs and flows. I'm not worried yeah. about me like not finding inspiration no more. It's just where I am right now. Um yeah. I also think though that what ends up happening is of course repetition allows you to build new skills as you find stuff out and you keep experimenting. But what the key point of repetition is, is that the more you do it, the more you trust it. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sure Steph doesn't think about when he's shooting now, he just shoots because he's done it so many times. There's no, re it's counterproductive to think about it. Um, when you step away from your routine for so long, you start questioning the mechanics of what you do. So I'm getting mm -hmm. to a point where like, I'm getting back to trusting it. And that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know Vince Staples said someone asked him to freestyle. He's like, I just gave you an album. He's like, I, I don't got any, I don't have anything new to say. Yeah. But I think that's something artists constantly battle with because you just gave so much personal detail about your life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, you need some artists. We talk about this all the time about how much should artists drop and certain artists drop t multiple times a year. Mm -hmm. And it's like, are you, should you take a step back? Like, should you be releasing all this music? Mm -hmm. And when is the perfect time to drop and be inspired by life? Like, how did you kind of manage that? Because I know this album was a five-year process of making it. Or exactly. years of making. Yeah. So how does that? No, I think, I don't think it'll ever take me five. Well, I won't say it won't ever. But the next album I make is not going to take me five years. Because we've finally gotten through the process and know what it looks like. And I can I can do that again in a much shorter time span. Um, mm -hmm. Now, if I have the luxury of taking five years to make an album, I probably will. Because why not? Um, okay. But... Yeah, man. I think, um, I don't know. I think that you just kind of know when you're inspired and it's flowing, you live in the moment. You just let it happen. Uh, I think I've seen Drake and Cole do it where they had albums that they just put together in like a month or two's time, if that. And then it's just like, here y'all go. I was inspired. This is what I felt. Live with it. Everything doesn't have to be this grandiose, uh, like concept album, you can have fun. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I also think though you have to be patient with yourself and understand that you can't force anything. The moment you try to force it is the moment it sucks every time. So mm -hmm. just be just just listen to yourself, and sometimes just live life because that's important too. That's part of the work. And that's all incredible advice. And what you said earlier hit so hard when. It's not even about what you write it, whether it's good or not. It's just being able to trust yourself and being confident that mm -hmm. you have a voice and what's being written or said has a place, you know, in, in, in the world. And with terms of your album, I'm so happy you mentioned this, too, about talking about how you made full constructed songs. And I mentioned earlier as well that the album is full. A lot of times now, of course, we see the shortening of albums, but also the shortening of songs so much so that I don't know if I can even call it a song anymore. And for you, you had so many different elements, um, all the way from the layering, the production, the features. Um, how did the collaboration process go? Who did you decide to join the album and why? Um, why um, did you make it like an album that was personally to you without any features instead? Yeah, I think everybody who's a part of the album is essentially part of my journey in some way, shape, or form. Uh, they're my homies. Everybody, There's nobody on that project who's not a homie of mine in some way. Um, and there's 
And it's incredible because I essentially got everybody who I wanted to be a part of that project to be a part of that project. There's one person who I wanted to be on the album who I did not get a chance to make <laughs> it happen. It? This could be your advertisement right now to that person, unless you want to hold that in your back pocket. <laughs> I I don't I, I don't want to I don't want to yeah. put him on blast. Yeah, we'll say for you, yo, Chance the Rapper, get on his song. We got you. <laughs> no, no, actually, Chance, I would like to have on one of these songs uh, if we were to ever do like a deluxe mm-hmm. or anything. Um, that's for, that's for sure something I would want. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. leave that there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you yeah. all right who it was. But um, yeah, man, other than that, these these were all just people who were part of my journey. Um, and it all made sense. I'm glad I didn't go and seek out anybody who I thought would just bring in the numbers yeah. outside of the people who, who I was already connected to. Yeah, I thought, I thought they all executed their features so perfectly and always added to the song was never just, like like you said, there for the reason of needing a feature. I'm yeah, I'm scrolling through the yeah. album right now. There's so many people that you're helping me discover. Elijah Elijah LaFleur is someone I've seen throughout Twitter. He's fire. And there's so many artists. Yeah. I reached out. So I hope this is a real question that Chris told me to ask. I reached out to Chris and I was like, what should I ask this man? And he said to ask you, is a hot dog a sandwich? I'm not sure if he was, I'm not sure if he was messing with me or that's something you sandwich. made. <laughs> a hot dog is absolutely a sandwich. The debate needs to end because if you believe that a sub is a sandwich, there's no way that a hot dog is not a sandwich. I feel like that's, any argument that's a very Chicago made. argument, I feel like. The truth is the truth regardless of where it comes yeah. from. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. But um, what's your relationship with the CXR guys? Obviously, Dende killed his chorus. Huge fan of – he had him on the show. And Chris, you two, similar style but do your own thing. Uh, what's your guys' relationship like? Those are my those are my guys. Those are like brothers to me. Um, we have gotten super super close over the past shoot. It's been like three three years now that I've really known them. Um, we met during the pandemic, which is was crazy. Like over the internet, they ended up coming out to Chicago one random winter, and I'm saying it was just love from jump. Um, Really appreciate those dudes very much. Yeah. Something we've, I remember years ago, you guys, a bunch of independent artists did the sanctuary sessions. So a couple of questions about that. First, was there ever a planned like Revenge of the Dreamers type album that was supposed to come from that? Because every once in a while I remember it and I'm like, I never really heard anything come. Or is it just a bunch of artists like just connecting and made a bunch of singular songs for themselves? No, it was definitely, I think, supposed to be a, a full rollout of an album. I think the time and the situation just didn't present itself the way that we originally planned. But it did provide a platform for us to build real community and real friendships from there. And it was probably, that was one of the most pivotal music moments I've had in my entire life. For my group. It was such a sick idea. Yeah. Absolutely. How often now do you guys still collab? Or in terms of like, I know before you were saying like you used to work independently. Is that still your process now, or do you include people? Oh yeah, people the, my I have a, a team at this point in terms of that I work with. Uh, whether mm-hmm. that be on the production side of things, of course, Ro, uh, Ro Moore, yeah, shout out to Ro, who executive produced the whole album. And Ro has been there essentially since I started. Um, it's it's always been me, Ro, and Will, who is my yeah. manager. 
Will Goff. Uh, Will is also the person who came up with the concept for the cover art. He's the person who um, made sure that everything came together cohesively and, and really was the creative director for a lot of um, all, really all the assets for the album. And any assets you've seen from me, for the most part, has come from Will. Will is a designer by trade. Uh, he, he just has the mind for it all. Um, and he's just an incredible creative that I've, I've been blessed to work with. And then Steven is the one who did most of my photography, and he's been incredible too. So I, got, I have a full team. To kind of dive into yeah. the importance of having a team, because I'm sure a lot of independent artists hope to have a team soon or are curious like how to actually build a team. What was your process of finding? Did they reach out to you? Are you cold DMing people? Like, how'd you go about that? Uh, no, nah, these are my homies. Oh, okay. These are people who are just, yeah. like Will, <laughs> the way me and Will met, he went to college with me um, and he was a graphic designer, like I said. So he designed a cover for a project that shall not be named because I don't want anybody ever finding it. Um, and <laughs> after working through that with him, I was just like, I, I love the way you think. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You you really get this and you also get me. So I essentially bugged Will for two years until he had finally just decided, okay, fine, I'll manage you. Um, and then Ro, I got introduced to through Josie, who's on Tattoo. Mm -hmm. um, Josie and I were in a group together in college called Word, which is Writers Organizing Realistic Dialect. It was a student organization that threw uh, concerts every semester. So Josie was one of the first people in college to really take an interest in me and take me under his wing when I got there. And he was just like, you remind me of so the guy no name row, put us in contact, the rest was history. Um, so the people who are here and, and on my team are the people who I love like family. And that's why they're here, because I can trust them with my life and not have to think about it. That's awesome. So, so a lot of it came from college is what I'm hearing. I feel like that college experience will have built that foundation. It absolutely did. It absolutely did. And I, I think, say that one more time. No, keep going. I know. I was just saying, I, I really thank God for just putting me in spaces to be able to do that and connect with real, genuine people. I feel like a lot of times... In music, you hear all these horror stories about how you run into people who, you know I'm saying, are not uh, the most genuine and caring when it comes to these types of things. But that hasn't been the case with me. Yeah, that's awesome that you guys are so close. Like, that's really cool. I think the CXR people have a similar plan with that. Like, surround yourself with people who truly yeah. believe in you. So I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I, just, I posted about this on Twitter yesterday about how hip-hop sales tour-wise aren't as big as it's stream wise, but I'm curious how important performing is to you because that's obviously a big way that artists make money when they're coming up. So how much focus do you put into that? Yeah. I know you have a live band album, but are you a live band performance guy for most of your performances? Just how important is that aspect for you? Yeah, it's funny you ask that. Uh, we're going to, so without giving away too much, when we find, because we still haven't done a headlining show for me for this album. Um, when we do, it's not going to look like your traditional show awesome. at all. Um, it's it's going to be really different and probably like one of the first of its kind, actually. Okay. And it's because I understand that I understand that experience is what matters. People are paying for experience, so shows are super important because this is the way you provide an experience. Mm -hmm. This is how you get people to really buy into who you are. Um, 
I, I also think that um, I take it very serious when we even rehearse for new things. Uh, I used to perform with a band all the time when I was younger. I stopped because I did not feel like I was a strong enough performer by myself. Uh-huh. And so I went back to the basics when I got my DJ. And for the past two years or so, it's just been, it's just been me and her. Um, two, three years, maybe four, it's just been me and her. Um, because I wanted to get back to the basics. I am about to start implementing the band again soon as well, though. I think that's definitely important. Like, I've performed with a band and performed not with a band, and the comfort of having people next to you mm-hmm. while performing is definitely a thing, especially since mm-hmm. it's la- it's louder. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're, you're hearing yourself a little yeah. bit less. And I'm not sure this is even what you're getting at with t- providing something new that no one's seen yet. But I think hip hop does miss a little bit of that theatrical aspect to its performances because I've been mm-hmm. to plenty of shows. I've seen rappers rap over their backing tracks where it's like, this just sounds like I'm listening to your <laughs> album, Apple Music. And I've seen someone like yep. Kendrick where every single thing was choreographed step by step, where when him and Baby Kim did Family Ties and they walked past each other, they don't even look at each other. Like they were very strict on like step, step, step onto this sound, this sound. And I'm like, that's cool because you see that from these like pop idols and these people that, I don't know, uh, what's her name? Pink is like flying around at her concerts on a zip line and stuff like that. I think that's something hip hop could definitely venture into, just a more theatrical thing. Yeah, I agree. And theatrical is an incredible word. Um, without without giving too much away, you write on the money. There we go. <laughs> And I'm excited to see what you're going to do with this as well, because I know me and Adam talk about this all the time, but especially in the space we're in now, it's so easy to just make music in your room, put it out there, and that's it. And also people forget that performance is so much different from recording right. or just being in the studio, complete two different skills. And I think in the independent space, at least that's something that needs to be addressed because sometimes people skip steps. I know there's a story of Mariah the Scientist that popped up earlier saying that when she did her first festival, she's never performed on a stage before. That wild. And that's been like a serious case for a lot of artists, you know, who are coming up and being coming successful, you know, blowing up and finding a label and, and such and such. Yeah. Yeah. Super important. You got to go back to the basics. I cannot imagine performing yep. for a festival for your first performance ever. As your first year. Oh my God. Yeah. That's insane. I, I performed at my senior prom and I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Uh, I literally, I didn't know. That's a lot of. Breath. I didn't know I was gonna perform. So it's a venue called the Fillmore in Philly, where I literally saw Anderson Pack perform like two weeks earlier, and my f- friend's dad f- works for Live Nation. And like five minutes before I performed, he's like, "Yo, do you want to perform?" I had to study my lyrics because I didn't memorize them. Like I was not prepared at all. Yeah, and it went well. That's crazy. Shout out to you. Ah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of personal anecdotes for this episode. One thing, yeah. It's connected. <laughs> One thing I know I wanted to ask you, Asar, was obviously just the theme of this project, um, having a relationship to fear. How was this project approached differently from any other project or EP or song you've made beforehand? We took the expectations away. Um, mm-hmm. We just decided to have fun. That's the reason that this album took so long to make. It was a whole other album at first. And I think I got too caught up in what I thought people wanted from me. Uh, List was the first song that we made from this project. I made it while I was in LA. While I was making my other album, when I got done with List, I was just like, this is fun. I want to do more of this. I I, I don't know what we've been working on, but this is where I want to go. 
Um, and my team trusted me and they allowed me to experiment. And eventually it was just like, this is, this is what came together when I started having fun. I was going to say, how do you, how do you get that? How do you get to that space of just being comfortable and, and saying that, you know what, I'm going to put the expectations away and I'm just going to write and whatever comes out, that's what's naturally coming out. And I'm going to accept it. You get tired of fighting yourself. You tie yourself. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That does it. <laughs> <laughs> once you once you get tired of fighting yourself, you it's the, it's the same essence of like when people tell you when you know better, you do better. It's like mm-hmm. the moment you tire yourself out and get tired of fighting yourself, you'll come back and go, all right, I'm going to get back to what got me started. What got me started was having fun, mm-hmm. so just have fun. I wanted to highlight that when I first heard List, it was different from your normal raps where I could send, I could like feel that radiating like fun coming from the song because I know you freestyled the first couple lines and it's a, there's more space in the song compared to some other songs where mm-hmm. you're obviously filling the stanzas up with just the craziest bars. And this one, it's you were just riding the beat, you and Deontay shot the Stoic again because that beat is mm-hmm. crazy. And crazy, crazy. I want to highlight my favorite song on the album is Don't Date Rappers. The chorus is amazing. <laughs> the concept is amazing. So I want to ask you more about the concept. I think we've asked every artist this, but how do you balance telling these personal stories that you know that person might hear I know you talked in the interview about showing your mom a song and then looking over to her like, like, ah, oh, this is about you. <laughs> but I think that's a difficult thing. Yeah. To <laughs> yeah, it is. I've gotten more comfortable with it as I've gotten older. I don't, I don't think it ever gets. You don't ever dissociate with it completely because it's your life. I'm saying it's your art that you share with people, and of course, it's great that they resonate and you know what I'm saying enjoy it, but. Um, you're telling your own personal stories. Like, there are songs on this album that people love, and they're just like, oh, this is such a great song. It's like, thanks. If you really listen to it, I was really struggling <laughs> and sad when I wrote it. <laughs> like, yeah, really? So it's, yeah. Like, case in point, if you really listen to Trophies, my verses on Trophies, those are very yeah. sad verses. Like, incredibly sad verses. Just over a very happy and bouncy beat, so it makes it seem like, oh, <laughs> incredible song. Very hype. Yeah. No, it's, it's like a sarcastic uh, song because you talk about uh, is your aunt in the hospital at the end and she asks how your career's going. Yeah. I think that's like a beautiful way to yeah. beautiful way to paint that sort of juxtaposition in the song. I cannot pronounce that. Of like the happiness mm-hmm. and like the actual detail <laughs> going on. Yeah. And and that's a that's a lot of that is the essential uh, music making process. It's like people get attached to times in your life that may not have been the best but share it with them and they love it um so yeah i know kenny mason said on a song this year he said uh, i want to stop talking this is not gonna i'm not gonna say this perfectly correct but basically i want to stop talking about my life because when i meet a fan i feel seen through because it's like wow these these people even though they don't actually know me they do they they know a little mm-hmm. bit <laughs> they know some of the personal stuff yeah you didn't share so much about yourself you've overshared <laughs> like you have overshared everything with all of these people. But yeah, it's yeah. So now that you put all your heart and soul into this, when's when's the next project coming? Or do you need a break? Is this a time where you need a break, you're not gonna touch anything? Or can you start just writing a little bit and kind of build up for the next project? No, I took my break already. Uh we were done with the album yeah. in March. So between March and maybe September. I wasn't really writing a whole lot every every so often. Mm-hmm. I think now I'm finally getting to a space where it's like, all right, we're back. You're back in your bag. Get you something written every day. It don't have to be great. It don't even have to be good. Just write. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you you all will probably see more often me just throwing freestyles up on the timeline just to get back acclimated with people hearing me rap, even when I know it's not like the, the freestyles I put up on my Twitter. I do that because I know that's not my best work. Uh-huh. And it's like I, I just want to be able to share and express freely without having any expectation attached to it. No one knows when that's coming. It's just yeah. an exercise. So it's cool. Um, now I, I want to do that more in terms of this next year. We definitely have uh, projects coming. Let's go. Um, I'm I'm gonna experiment even a little bit more with the types of music you all hear from me. So, um, should be cool. Was this album David under is a there? different name, or is David still an album that's coming in the future? Oh no, David is a whole different album that has <laughs> not even joking with you. We probably made over a hundred tracks of that album, um, and none of them made wow. the album. Not a single one. How do you? What um, differentiates a song? Where is it a vibe that it fit? Like, how do you even decide that? Like, what was for yeah. David? Oh, it it all because it was a concept. Oh, okay, album, so I know what I was writing. To, okay, what space I was trying to fill and all of that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we want to give you a. We want to give you a That's space. Insane. You kind of just did it a little bit, but shout out what you got coming, whether it's a show, album, song. Plug yourself. This is it. For sure. Uh, well, I know I have a show coming up January 12th. It hasn't been announced yet, but you all are first. There we know. go. Uh, Exclusive. <laughs> that will be with <laughs> myself, uh, D2X, Corrali, um, Hey Sunny, and I'm missing somebody else. And whoever I'm missing, I apologize. I'm just blanking right now. Um, but it's going to be an incredible show. Everybody on the lineup is incredible. Um, so that's January 12th. We got some music dropping. We're still waiting on... Um, I did do like an on-the-radar freestyle. So uh, mm-hmm. that'll be dropping soon. Don't know when, but it's coming. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then next year is just going to be fun. We got some events. We got more merch. We got everything coming. So just stay tuned in. Hey, stay tuned, guys, because I'm telling you, the album is easy one of the best projects uh, of this year and you put so much work into it you can tell that it was years in the making so go ahead and check that out Asar thank you so much for being here but that's what we have tuned for all you guys today uh, but we'll see you in the next one